In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This past Wednesday, I heard the Catholic businessman and philanthropist Sean Filer uh, give a, an award acceptance speech uh, in which he, he made the usual remarks about being grateful to the organization, honoring him and being grateful to God for um, the gifts that he's been given and re- making a few um, remarks about different uh, moments in his life and the importance of his marriage, of course, and his wife and his children, his parents, uh, the gift of faith uh, and how that was nurtured growing up as well as at school at Williams College and um, uh, made a few observations about the times in which we live and what's demanded of us. And then in a way which perhaps already had All Souls Day in mind in the month of November, um, which we dedicate to praying for the faithful departed, he talked about the harm done by permission for cremation. Caught everyone off guard except for, I think, the priests in, um, in attendance because this is the kind of, the kind of conversation that priests would have um, about how... Um, how something has been lost. So bear with me for a moment. Certainly over the course of history, there have been times in which there is a, um, a need for the sake of public health uh, in times of plague or when someone has died thousands of miles away from home and it's not a flight home, but um, but someone's back or the back of a horse that takes you across continents when cremation was, uh, was permitted or tolerated. Christians from the very beginning were, were unique uh, in the ancient world for burying their dead in the ground or in sarcophagi in a way which manifested their expectation of the resurrection of the dead, the resurrection of the body. Not necessarily in the next generation, but the body had a dignity, has a dignity. Every human body has a dignity created by God. It is part and parcel of the human person. The human being is incomplete without the body. It's not as though the soul is the human being that happens to be trapped in a body, But a human being is properly body and soul. And so if we reverence the soul as sacred, we have to reverence the body as sacred. And we do. That's why our worship is very corporeal. Why we worship God by our our kneeling and our prostration and our uh, our gestures and our voices. And we and we worship God in a way which is is visible and and uh, appeals to all of the senses by trying to sanctify everything of creation. There is nothing intrinsically disordered about cremation. And when the church permitted it several decades ago, it was done with the acknowledgement that it is not preferred, it is permitted, but Cremation is not permitted when it is an expression of a rejection 
of faith in the resurrection of the body at the end of time. I don't know how many people expressly deny that or reject it, but I know um, of quite a few people who don't have any sense of the resurrection of the body, who have no sense that the body is sacred. And given all that was said about the sacredness of every human body, the body of a Christian, the body of someone who has lived a fully Christian life, receiving all the sacraments that God established for our benefit. That, that, that sacred Christian body is a, is, a, is a vessel of our Lord's body and blood, is, a, is, a, is, is the means by which God communicated grace. God uses visible, tangible signs to communicate his grace. He doesn't limit himself to the invisible and the intangible. That's the whole point of the incarnation, so that we can know what God is doing. We can assent to what God is doing. We can cooperate with what God is doing. In the same way that we don't see the wind, we see the effects of the wind. We don't see grace, but we see the effects of grace, and God communicates grace to us married to physical signs. Baptism, the Holy Eucharist, confirmation, holy water, bread and wine, chrism. Then that body of a married Christian is, 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 is even more sacred for having been the means of communicating God's grace to one's spouse. Being, having become a sacramental. And the body of a priest, the one who actually stands at the altar in the person of our Lord to say the, the very word so that his lips and his breath become God's. And he simply says, this is my body. This is the chalice of my blood. When we bury a Christian, we are burying something far more sacred than the human body, which already is sacred. And so the first time, 19 years ago, I saw a funeral home drop off the remains of someone whose body had been cremated in anticipation of the funeral mass the next day or the day before, it was a Ziploc bag plop on the secretary's desk. Horrifying. We could never do that to a human body if it were intact. This past week, I made my first visit to a morgue to visit uh, and bless a body of someone whom I, I had anointed a few weeks prior A human body intact demands your attention, demands your respect, demands your great effort to convey the sacred, this sacred body from here to there. So Mr. Father was opining about how the permission to cremate has, has, has resulted in a great many um, 
acts of, of, of disrespect and in the hearts and the minds of many, a diminishing of faith in the resurrection of the body the, and the recognition that the human being is body and soul, which means even then disrespect of the living body. I don't know why I'm making fists, but I did. I pointed out to him and to, and to a few others who were, who, who were not quite convinced of his argument that it actually makes perfect sense. He sounds like a priest. This is exactly what priests have been talking about for 15 years. It's not evil, but it's permitted, but the consequences are devastating. Just like communion being received in the hand. In and of itself, it's not evil. It's not a bad thing in and of itself. It's been permitted at many times in the history of the church in limited fashion. Probably at the Last Supper, they were using their fingers. However, what are the consequences? It's the many people who just grab Jesus or the people who who have Jesus in their paws and just walk away and they treat him like, like a cracker. Or the ease with which someone who's not properly receiving Holy Communion, namely, especially in this case a non-Catholic, a few hours ago, the awkwardness, even though it's easy just to stick out your hands, the awkward with, awkwardness with which he did so prompted me to ask, pardon me, are you, are you Catholic? Fortunately, I had a smile on my face, not a, not a scowl, and he, he just very, very naturally just brought Jesus back to me, and I said, can I give you a blessing? And he was so relieved, and he said, yes, please. So I gave him a blessing. Everyone, everything was happy. Everyone left peaceful. But when we permit what is most sacred to be handled so casually, it inevitably results in our taking it for granted and our eventually being even numb to sacrilege when it does happen. Now, Mr. Filer wasn't just making remarks about reverence and, uh, and true Christian faith. His, his remarks headed in the direction of something fitting for this solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the universe. And that is how we unknowingly are trying to wrest from God control of what is beyond our domain. In this case, especially with regard to death. We want to deny death. We want to treat it as though it doesn't exist. Let alone even have meaning. And even a sad beauty. I did point out to Mr. Filer and to others that the, what is the alternative to cremation? Something just as perverse, which is a kind of mummification of the body, embalming in a very expensive, in, a, in an egregiously expensive casket, in an outrageously expensive lead liner that goes into the ground so that the body will be there for the rest of eternity? Who thinks that's a good idea? Nobody who thinks about it. 
That's not how Christians bury their dead either. Fortunately, half of our family is directly European, and the German part of the family has the plot where the, the caskets go in the ground, and then they decay, and then more caskets can go in the ground on the same family plot. There's no effort to deny the reality of death. There's no effort to preserve the body despite death. It's a sad, beautiful place to go and pray and to be one with those whom we love who still depend on our prayers and whose prayers can eventually benefit us. But to be, to be a child of God in the face of death is to be a, a noble, noble creature. A few hours ago, I received the news of an, uh, another lady who passed away who I've anointed several times this past week, and it was truly beautiful to see her son and her granddaughter taking care of her. Sad, of course, but completely unafraid. Confident that, that God's mercy and grace were present when the sacraments were offered. In no way disdaining the, the you know the disfigurement of a of a of a body that's uh, suffered so over so many years. Our Lord and Savior is King, King of the Universe. Everything has its ultimate purpose and meaning as it fits into our Lord's plan, even death. Even those things which are not of his original design, even those things that were not according to his will, are still governed by him by divine providence and fit into his plan. Even when you sin, even when you commit evil, you haven't escaped his domain. You haven't somehow charted your own path that has nothing to do with God. Romans 8.28, God ordains all things for the good of those who love him. When we then look back on those sins having been forgiven, we ought to be prompted to be both humble and also grateful. The devil wants you to think about all your past sins so that you despair, so that you continue to, to feel horrible, so, you can, so that you give up having anything to do with God's will and anything noble and beautiful and sacred. God's, God's willing to let you remember those bad things wants you to be just renewed in joy that that's been taken from you. You've been forgiven of that. Or as I mentioned to a young high schooler this past week, every time you hurt, physically, but especially emotionally and spiritually, Every time you are in pain, you are reminded, this is not supposed to be happening. The devil wants you to experience this pain and despair 
and to give up and to say, this is just the way it is, or this is just what I deserve. Pain is our way of knowing and being alerted to the reality that this is not supposed to be happening. Your hand is not supposed to be in the fire. It hurts. Do something about it. It's so easy, though, for, for the ordinary pain and even the excruciating pain of life, whether it be the ordinary pain of the fallen world or the excruciating pain of others' cruelty, that makes us despair. How could God have anything to do with this? God is that much more obviously the king of the universe. Because if, ob- if, if horrible, evil, wicked things didn't hurt, then you could think that maybe the fabric of the universe corresponded to that. No, they cause untold pain. And for how long? Precisely because that is not supposed to be going on in the universe. Precisely because God is king of the universe, author of the universe, and the redeemer of the universe. That pain needs to bring us back to God, not further away. when we despair of those who seem to be acting in a way which is totally contrary to God or which is, in fact, totally contrary to God, we despair of God's caring. Why doesn't he intervene? Why doesn't he stop it? And then we have to reckon with the reality that the, the demons don't obey God. The fallen angels don't hear the word of God and comply. They must be, in fact, restrained. Of all the evil that could be happening in the world, so very, 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 very little is even permitted. And we reflect on how the God has given us The good God has given even us permission to disobey, to disbelieve, to disregard, so that when we obey, when we love, when we honor and worship him, it is of our free will, assisted by his grace, of course, but it is is genuine. It's It's not of compulsion. Not only do we love each other We can love God. He makes that possible by making us not his puppets, but his creatures, his adopted children, those he loves, those for whom he suffered and died and rose. So that everything in this life and everything in death may bring us back to his kingdom. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.